welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and thanks for joining us for a special episode exploring the recently released State of Theology Report from Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research. Today, I think you're going to enjoy our conversation with Eric Geiger. Eric is the senior pastor of Mariner's Church in Irvine, California. And before moving to Southern California, Eric served as senior vice president for Lifeway Christian Resources. He received his doctorate in leadership and church ministry from Southern Seminary. And he's authored and co-authored several books, including the best-selling church leadership book, Simple Church. But first, let's go to Ed Setzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Executive Director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Today, well, actually, there's some breaking news that's leading to our conversation today. Well, you know, you know, breaking news, what does that mean? You know, it's not like breaking news, like there's a solar eclipse and everyone in the world seeing it and talking about it. But in the theology world, some fascinating data has been released. And when Ed Stetzer hears the words data and theology together, it is breaking news. Um, so, and you, you may have seen this if you read, you know, some of the Christian periodicals or or maybe you're, you're aware of Ligonier Ministries. So Ligonier Ministries years ago partnered with, uh, well, Lifeway Research. I was actually leading Lifeway Research at the time. And we work with them to create a uh, kind of a, a look of, um, I don't know how to describe it, kind of theological theological issues. So the we went through the theological issues together, and having walked through those issues, we kind of came up with a series of questions and questions that we could address and walk through and kind of measure the state of theology. So, um, so this made news last week. Uh, Christianity Today headline was the top five heresies among evangel- American evangelicals. So kind of a pithy title. The subtitle is in 2022. Uh, it's 2022, but Arianism and Pelagianism are steadily making a comeback according to the State of Theology Report. So uh, if you want to get the full uh, methodology, and if you're a research nerd, you should go to the stateoftheology.com, and it's got you can actually take the, the test there and everything else. But some fascinating, fascinating things. And what's perhaps to me particularly interesting is that evangelicals on almost uh, all the major indicators are shifting in the wrong direction, um, the wrong direction. And so um, the the study used a definition of evangelicals that the National Association of Evangelicals, in partnership with Lifeway Research, and again, full disclosure, I led this project, came up with a four-part definition uh, that was based on something can, called the Bebbington. Uh, it's a Bebbington. It's called a quadrilateral. But anyway, so uh, and so the idea was that there were four things that would make up an evangelical. For the sake of time, I won't have time to walk through all that. Uh, but but here's what's what's interesting and what's fascinating about several things. For example. Um, we one of the questions asked was was a Jesus is a created being, and that's a that's a very big heresy. Um, again, without unpacking all of that, uh, you but you would think might, you might hear that you might just know you know Jesus. There, there's never been a time when God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit uh, were not. 
And yet, 73% of evangelicals indicated this. This is evangelicals. This is people who uh, believe evangelical beliefs. Well, maybe not in all ways. Or, for example, Jesus was just a teacher. Uh, 43%, and that's up by 13%. In, 20, in 2018, it was 30%. 2020, it was 30%. Now it's 43%. The Holy Spirit is not a personal being, like the force or something. The force be with you. Uh, 60%. Had some confusion about the third member of the Trinity. And we could go on and on and on. And the problem is you literally can go on and on and on. So when this came out, um, I, I wanted to reach out to my friend, Eric Geiger. And I wanted to talk to Eric Geiger, and I've known Eric for years. And Eric Eric and I actually served together at Lifeway when we did some of this, when we started some of this research project. And and Eric and I um, have actually worked together on a resource. So uh, just, you know, full disclosure ahead of time, this is a resource that Eric and I developed together. Usually our guest is usually the guest is the person who who created something together. But Eric and I developed this together. Now, uh, Eric is is the pastor of Mariner's Church. I said we used to work together at Lifeway. He's, uh, he's the best leader I've ever worked with, but he's also got a doctoral degree, worked through theological questions and issues. And I'm very appreciative of... Uh, our friendship, and also the good work that he does. So I wanted to have him come on and talk some about theology, because I've seen at Mariner's Church him seeking to sort of change some of the, well, some of the situation that we're walking through. So Eric, when you saw, well, first of all, Eric, welcome to the program, but when you saw the State of Theology report, man, was that surprising to you? Was it a cause for concern? What did you, what, what did you see and think about when you saw that? Definitely a cause for concern, and... Surprising in some ways, but then also what we've seen happen in the church over the last couple of years with people disengaging or not um, prioritizing community with other other Christ followers, you know, coming out of the pandemic. I I wasn't overly surprised just because if you're not going to sit under the teaching of Scripture consistently, you can develop some some unhealthy beliefs about about God and about all that He's done and all that He's doing in the world. Definitely not surprised about what, you know, if you look at the study from Ligonier, it breaks up the, what Americans believe versus what evangelical Christians believe, as right. you've shared. And, and, and I'm, you know, I don't think we should be surprised at all that the, that the world has beliefs about God that are wrong. You know, people who don't claim to be Christians, uh, that they haven't taken the time to investigate the scripture or even trust the scripture or believe it. But when you have people who, claim that they are Christ followers and believe the Bible and then come to some of the conclusions that people are saying they've come to, it is it is definitely alarming. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think, you know, one of the things we talked a lot about when we worked together at Lifeway was changing church practices. Um, and the idea he- here is, is that, you know, if you grew up in church, I didn't grow up in church, um, but if you grew up in church, for our listeners, you, you might maybe 50 years ago, you went to church in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, maybe mm-hmm. Wednesday night. And so there were all these rich opportunities right. to learn theology. And, and what seems to have happened is, is as we've streamlined the church, uh, for those of you who don't know, and Mar- Mariner's Church is a... Is a uh, it's a contemporary, I don't know how to describe it, non-denominational. It's a very large church in California. But one of the things you've also been known for under your predecessor, and now you've been there for, I don't know how long you've been there. You need to tell us that. But um, but but is to try to take people deeper into theological discussions. First of all, remind me how long you've been at Mariner's Church. 
Four years. Four years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so you've been there four years. Uh, and again, you're building on Kent and Bishore, your predecessor. How do you try to help people be more deeply connected to theology? Because your church is, is like a lot of churches today, different in some ways, but also you don't have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, you have different activities. I right. shouldn't say that. But how do you help people engage more deeply? No, you, and I want to reiterate what you said before. When I, I've been in, in ministry since I was 18. I'm you know, 47 now, almost 47. So a long time. And church practice has changed significantly. I remember when I first was pastoring, all of those things you said were true. You know, you'd have people Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So a lot of opportunities for theological training, whether you call it that, you know, a lot of opportunities to take people through a systematic study of scripture or of topics in the scripture. And if you ask somebody back then, my gosh, I sound so old talking about back then, but when you- We do, we do. (laughs) These kids, these kids today, they don't know these kids today. Oh man, (laughs) I've become that guy. When you ask- somebody, hey, are you involved? What's a regular church member or what's someone involved in your church? They would speak about the number of times a week that they went. You know, now it's the number of times a month. So it just has dramatically shifted really in a, in a generation. Um, so we face those challenges. I mean, I wrestle as a, as a pastor who enjoys teaching expositionally through the scripture. You know, I say I teach um, I'm going to, the next, this next year, I'm going to teach through Philippians is one of the books and, and we're going to spend 10 weeks in Philippians. And as you know, when you teach expositionally through a text, it, the weeks build on one another. Well, the challenge I have is there's very few of the people who are a percentage of the people who will be there consecutively all 10 weeks. Right. 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 So there's, that's a, that's just a, that's a reality that we have as pastors. So we have to figure out how are we going to address some of these theological deficits that are clearly among the people of God at this time. During the, during the pandemic, I think this was one of the things that God did in our church early in, in 2020 when we were shut down. I just was missing being with people, missing uh, teaching. We, we had had um, a, a a theological Bible study I had done for all of our shepherd elders. We were, I was walking them through uh, Wayne Grudem's, his, the shorter version of his systematic theology textbook, his, which is lo- called... The longer version is a beast. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's hard for seminary students, right? So the shorter version is still hard. But I walked our shepherd elders and their wives, if they wanted to come through early in the morning, like six in the morning, and, they, and I couldn't believe how many were coming, and they were loving it. So pandemic hit, I thought, I'm going to go ahead and broaden that for the whole church and just, I mean, really just post it on social media. Hey, I'm going to teach theology. It's going to be on Zoom. If you want to want to go through it, here's how you get the book. We had over a thousand people in our church walk through theology for eight weeks. And it just alerted to me, okay, yes, there's there's a deficit happened, but there's also a hunger both can be true at the same time. There's a deficit on theological thinking and understanding among God's people. And at the same time, there is a, this hunger among God's people to know and to understand the deeper things of God. Fascinating, fascinating. And I, and I think, I, think I, I want that. I want to believe that. And I see that in many places. Um, let me share a couple other stats from the State of Theology report that, that really 
uh, got my attention. For, for example, um, one of the things, uh, there's different kind of aspects of theology. We're going to talk about them later on, like uh, soteriology, which is how people become Christians, how we are saved. Uh, ecclesiology, which is the doctrine of the church. And one of the more fascinating shifts, and it's a huge shift, is that because this study's been going on since 2016. So like I said, I was there and we kind of helped create it. But 2016, they asked the question, worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church? Mm -hmm. And um, the answer was about 40% of American, uh, excuse me, of evangelicals, American evangelicals said that. And then in 2018, they asked the same question and it was 42%. So not a big difference. And then they asked the same question in 2020 and it was 39%, which is, you know, again, all within this kind of margin of error, we might say. And then in 2022, it's 54%. Mm -hmm. And, And I think this is an important reminder that, what happened, I mean, clearly, was there was an intervening event, and churches, you know, all yeah. 96% of churches, uh, you know, moved online in some fashion, but, and that was for an emergency and for a season, but it seems that some people have now adopted a huge shift for, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, that's 14% of people who now yeah. say that, no, no, it's, it's, it's more than that, it's actually okay. Give me about 30 seconds of why knowing doctrines like the doctrine of the church matters in moments like this. Totally, and I'm looking at the data right now, and alarming is how close Americans and evangelical Christians responded to that question. Yep. Like, yep. we're not that off differently from the world. So, when you understand the scripture, you see that God didn't just rescue you, He rescued brothers and sisters, and He put you in community with others that God's always building a people for Himself from every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's how He's designed you to grow. I mean, that, that's so clear throughout Scripture. So you miss that, and you miss how God has wired you to be sustained, how He is designed to keep you for Himself. There's so much that you miss when there's a lower view of the church or a lower view of ecclesiology. The shift on some areas were were pretty substantive. I mean, you, because we've mm-hmm. been doing this, you know, 2016... Uh, 2018, 2020, 2022, you can actually mark that some of these things have have moved. Uh, and I think it's important to notice that. Um, for example, on issues like um, like God is concerned with my day-to-day decisions. Uh, you know, it's interesting that, that uh, or excuse me, God is unconcerned with my day-to-day decisions. Uh, that number almost doubled. Um, what, is, what is, why? Why would these things shift like this? Um, also too, um, we see issues around sexuality and gender that have been, you know, largely settled with some movement there, uh, largely settled among evangelicals with some movement there. Um, and so, so we look at these things and it, it appears to me that we're in a crisis of discipleship. I mean, there are lots of challenges in the world today. Yeah. I don't misunderstand. But one of the things we learned in the last couple of years is a lot of people got caught up in they were discipled by their cable news choices. They're mm-hmm. spiritually shaped by their social media. And boy, discipleship and the theological foundation that comes seems to be lacking. Now, again, you know, I can sit here as a professor and a radio host and, and you know, opine on this all day, but you're a local church pastor, um, is, is, and you got people coming into your church, going out of your yeah. church. Uh, discipleship, what's, does it matter? How do, we, how do we make it more effective? Talk to us about yeah. this crisis of discipleship. It, it's a huge crisis, and I'm looking at the data right now that we're talking about. Here's, here's an example. 
and this is how it, it practically impacts people I pastor, people who are listening. Here is one of the questions. The Holy Spirit is a force, mm. but is not a personal being. And this is the one, this is one of the of the questions that I'm just so dumbfounded by because Americans and evangelicals essentially are at the same percentage of agreeing with that statement. So sixty percent actually evangelicals agree with that statement more than Americans. Wow. Evangelicals at sixty percent, um, Americans at fifty-nine percent. So to think about this, sixty percent of the people who who would be in our churches believe that the Holy Spirit is a force and not the third person of the Trinity who I have a deep and abiding personal relationship with. And so what does that matter? I mean, it matters so much because if the people I pastor think of the Spirit as only a force, then that's a that's a power that they can use for their own advantages. Um, sure. That's a power like, oh, the Spirit can help me accomplish my goals, as opposed to God himself has moved into my life to transform me for his purposes. It 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 is a complete reversal of the message of of Jesus and the message of the Bible to believe that the spirit he sends into us is a force and not and not the person we get to enjoy, you know? Mm. So it I mean the discipleship's becoming more like Jesus. So if the spirit's a force, you're not becoming more like Jesus, you're using Jesus as a tool to accomplish your own goals as opposed to the Spirit forming you more and more into the image of, of Jesus. So discipleship is becoming more and more like Jesus. If you view the Spirit as a force, there's an, it's really hard for you to become more and more like Jesus. Mm, mm. And, you know, and, and this time that we're living in, um, it appears that, you know, you would think that, that 100 years ago, disciples, followers of Jesus, man, they just, I mean, they just were, I mean, we don't have to think. We know we could read and see that they were just engaged in the study of theology. Mm-hmm. And not, not, not just pastors and church leaders, but, but, uh, but regular folks in the church. And, and I think ultimately that's what you saw when you, you, you started this study. And, um, and the end result was, is that people wanted to go deeper, but why does it even matter? Is it really important for the, I mean, what if I just love Jesus, I'm a better person? Why is it important for the average person to understand theology? Are there implications? Is, what happens? Mm-hmm. Totally. So famous quote of Tozer is, the thing you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And theology is essentially thinking about God. So if you think big thoughts and correct thoughts and true and beautiful thoughts about God, it impacts how you live. If you think small thoughts, incorrect thoughts, inaccurate thoughts about God, it it impacts deeply how you live. So the so theology, I know it sounds like a big word, but really it is the thoughts you have about God. And that impacts deeply. We know this. What we think impacts how we live. And so we 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 want to and then we obviously want to help our friends and people in our churches think big, healthy Beautiful, true thoughts about God. Mm, mm. And okay, so and so we did not know that this study was going to come out with these shifts. Um, so so we didn't know this was going to come out now. But we actually just we had been working on this earlier this year, um, and we developed this this uh, theological based curriculum 
to help people to go deeper, to dig deeper and more. And I want to talk about that in a minute, but I want to talk about some about like Rooted, yeah. something your church has done for a long time. And I think like thousands and thousands of churches use Rooted. Where was where was I yesterday? I was in Detroit, Brighton, uh, Brighton, Michigan at uh, 242 Church. I was speaking at a at an event there. And uh, sitting on the table was uh, a, just their, their new rooted groups. So churches all over the country do these rooted groups. So before we get to some of the, some of the thing we put together that addresses some of the theological issues, uh, which rooted does too, but talk to us about what rooted is so people are aware. Mm-hmm. Yep, rooted is a 10-week discipleship course or a 10-week journey to help you understand the basics of the Christian faith, the gospel, community, what God's done in your life if you've believed in him. It's it's great content, the 10 weeks are, but really the secret sauce for our church and the thousands of churches who, who now use Rooted is it really does help people get in groups. So currently we have 1,200 plus people going through Rooted for the first time and 90% of them will, their Rooted group will become their ongoing life group. So it's a, it's a, it's an amazing tool to help people get into community, but it's built around scripture. It's built around rhythms of spiritual growth and spiritual formation. Okay. Now, so um, considering the state of theology, to use the term, mm-hmm. again, we're talking about the Ligonier study, people can go to the, the state of theology.com. Uh, uh, we see that people don't understand the fullness of this theology. They might they might say, "I should read my Bible and I should, mm-hmm. you know, maybe share my faith." I hope they say that more rather than less. You know, those sorts of things. But we just put together this uh, this resource that is uh, that kind of builds on uh, rooted. You know, the, the basic course of rooted and working through this. Um, a systematic theology, if you will. So even yes. those words, systematic theology, are scary to some people. So what do we mean by that? And what does that mean for the average person? Yeah, so theology, thinking about God, systematic, a systematic approach to thinking about God. There's different ways to study theology. You know, there's biblical theology where you look at the story of the Bible. Um, there's apologetics where you're answering some difficult questions of of the, the faith. So there's all different ways to study the scripture and theology, but a systematic approach would be, hey, what are some of the, what are the big doctrinal beliefs that the scripture helps you see and unpacking those? So Christology, the study of Christ, Bibliology, the study of the Bible, Pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit, Ecclesiology, the study of, of church. So a whole lot of ologies that we <laughs> try to make really uh, understandable for, for people in our churches. Yeah, and, and deep dive is the term that we're using. It's designed to take people deeper uh, into specific theological topics without overwhelming people. So, for example, you would know when you go through this that Jesus was not a created being, and you would know <laughs> that the Holy Spirit is not a force. Um, and so so knowing those things matters because a right understanding of God helps us to, as you quoted Tozer earlier, help us to walk rightly with God. Um, so we actually built it around the, uh, the it's, it's a Lausanne thing. It's called the Cape Town Commitment. And and there's a series of, of, of ologies, as you mentioned, but really they're built around love. So the first one is we love the Father. That's theology. We love God the Son. That's Christology. We love God the Holy Spirit. That's pneumatology. So it's built on loving God's word and more. Um, but I think I think for some people, they would think that that, that sounds 
overwhelming. Why would you encourage people to join, like the thousand people at your church that went through that early morning systematic Bible study, why should they take that step to go deeper? Why does that matter? It matters for so many reasons. I mean, I can hear from so many angles. Here's the, here's the, the truth, and I think people know it. They are drinking a steady diet of, of thoughts about God that are not from Him. So just living in the world, you're, you're going to, everything you hear, everything that comes across the screens that you put your eyes in front of, they are not going to typically be accurate, true, beautiful, real thoughts about God. And so you have to counteract that. You have to throw yourself into what the scripture says about who this amazing, holy, loving God is. And so it, it, it's, it's so wise for you to invest time thinking about who he is, because it impacts everything. And Eric and Geiger and I have actually uh, developed a resource together. It's actually, when I say resource, it's, it's, it's like, you guys, there's a book, but there's a whole video series. It's called Theology and the Mission of God. It's an eight-week Bible study and video teaching from Eric uh, and me, created for churches and small groups. We each teach on four topics, um, and then we kind of walk through those topics so you get a deeper understanding. So, Eric... Um, Jeremy Maxfield and the team there at Rooted helped us to develop this. Uh, we mentioned that it got it kind of f- uh, framed around the Lausanne Cape Town commitment. We love the, and then you know, like the last one is we love the mission of God, and that's the doctrine of missiology. Um, you know, these eight topics. Why, why these eight topics? I guess we could have millions of topics, but these seem important. Why is that? Historically, these are our doctrines that the church has recognized as being critical for Christians to understand. So if you pick up any theological textbook, it, they may be structured differently, these theological textbooks. I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the big ones that, that people who go to seminary and become get a, a master's degree in divinity or a doctorate degree, that they study these, right? These ologies, those topics, have been identified throughout the centuries as really important for Christians to understand. So at the, I, we really humbly approach theology, and we ask those who are studying to do so as well. It's why we want people to do it in community so that you are receiving feedback and growing from other people. And we also are recognizing that we're a part of the, a beautiful, long history of men and women who've gone before us who have studied the Scripture and have thought about God and what he's done and what he's doing in the world. And so we, we really, we've not decided to create new categories. We, we are joining the history of great theologians and scholars who have identified these as important categories of the scripture, right? So, mm-hmm. but we are trying to make it more um, readable and digestible for people in our churches. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when we went through and did the videos, you picked all the good topics and left me the other topics. <laughs> well, we were filming at my church, so I, I felt a little bit of... Well, actually, it's because you know, you know all the topics. You're, oh, you're, like, you're the you guy. So it, oh, it's there easy you go. You're for great. me. I have a harder yeah. time. That's Well, no, it's great. It was great. And we went through... And we did sort of like stay in areas that we were particularly... Uh, passionate. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I did. We love the mission of God. I'm very dr- passionate and driven by that. Uh, what were some of the ones as you look through? I think I've mentioned them all. It's, uh, we were talking about, you know, God the Father, God the Son, the God the Holy Spirit. We love mm-hmm. God's word. We love God's world. I don't think you mentioned that. That's creation and anthropology. 
We love the gospel of God. That's soteriology, how people are redeemed or saved. We love the people of God. That's ecclesiology. When you looked at those, I want you to, I know it's hard. It's like, you know, talking about which of your daughters is your favorite, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but which of those really were the biggest joy to study and to teach? You know, I'm looking at the list right now, and I don't, it's probably if you ask me when we filmed, I might have picked a different one. We love the gospel of God, the study of soteriology, or the study of salvation, I think is just such a joy to walk through because you see what God has done in, in your life and how it results in your gratitude that, that you've become his, that you're his son, his daughter, brought into his kingdom, the glorious and gracious work he did to make you his forever. You know, that's just a... So soteriology sounds super boring, but it's not. It's you're studying <laughs> how you became his child forever. Yeah, and I love, you know, even just sitting, we were in the room together filming all these, and and just to see your excitement for these things. I mean, I sort of knew, I come in, and like I did the missiology one I mentioned. I love missiology. Um, the I mean, I dedicated my life to it, so it's my PhD, um, and, and but others as well, you know, so walking through those. But I, I think one of the challenges is, is that when theology is restricted only to the classroom. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm actually recording this at Billy Graham Hall, where all of our theology classes here are at Wheaton College. And what I want to say is, is, is not something we want to do here, but here's the language I'm using. When theology is restricted to the classroom mm. um, and seen as an academic enterprise only, it doesn't, it can miss some of that life. Um, and so one of the things I loved is just doing that with you and to see the life and, and to know that you know, a thousand people in your church had just said, "We want more." And now, of course, we've built on, rooted again. The, the, this, it's called a. It's a new deep dive study. It's called theology and the mission of God. Uh, but also, too, one of the things that is kind of laid out there is um, it ends with theology and the mission of God, a call to faith in action, um, and the connection. If you know what Lausanne, Lausanne's a global mission movement. Um, and and at Cape Town, there was the largest gathering of, of evangelical believers in the uh, representative gathering in the history of the world. And it wasn't just let's make this Cape Town commitment. There was a call to faith in action there that's kind of reflected in this. So how does how, how well, I guess I said why does it matter and how does theology move to action both in this study and in just the way it should in life? That's great. And we want that so badly for the people who study theology and the people who use this resource because theology is super practical, helps you know God, helps you know him more. And that has such richness to your life and such implications for how you live. So we love God the Father, the very first one. Seeing God as your father impacts how you trust him, how you want to reflect his characteristics in your life, his attributes. So it's really practical. It impacts what the day looks like when you understand that you have a father who oversees all, yet he loves you, that he's he's both sovereign and sensitive to you, right? I mean, understanding God that way impacts how you relate to him. So it's super practical. And then all, all, all of the theologies are, you can walk through, understanding that the Holy Spirit's not a, a, a force that you employ for your own desires, but a person you enjoy. Mm. It impacts impacts the meeting at two o'clock at work, that 
You have the Spirit of God within you in the middle of the meeting. You can commune with Him and enjoy Him. It, it, it's so practical. So it, it, all of theologies impact your day, impact you joining God in his, his mission of reconciling other people to Him. And so studying the theology, it should, should result in worship where you sense, wow, God is, is bigger than I thought. He's more gracious than I thought should result in mission. I am so eager to tell other people of this great news because I've been changed by Jesus. The more you understand him, the more you love him, the more you love him, the more you want to share him. Theologies, it's so practical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, theology practical, theology important, but you know, I've heard doctrine divides. I've heard that we need to leave our doctrines behind, just trust the Holy Spirit, um, you know, uh, love other people, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yet, you know, we, we've kind of gone the very different direction. We think that knowing the Word of God and knowing the theology that flows out and from the Word of God is essential, not just, not, not just possible, not just you might consider, but it's essential in a time when so many um, believers are theologically adrift. So how, how do you walk that balance between? Because we do disagree, we do disagree mm-hmm. on some things, right? There'll be people listening here who may go to churches that uh, baptize infants and right. some churches that baptize uh, adults. And you know, right. and I should say that we don't directly address that, but, right. but how do you move beyond the division idea? That's good. So there is truth in the statement, doctrine divides. It, but you want to ask which doctrine, right? So if if we're talking about what version of the Bible your pastor teaches from, and there's constant debates over if it should be King James Version or the New Living Translation uh, version, that that's when you realize, okay, we've we've made a third level issue, or actually probably lower than a third level issue. We've made a preference issue the top issue, right? So that's when. It, when you allow minor differences to become the preeminent discussion, that's when I, I feel people get hurt. At the same time, to your point, and all of the doctrines that we talk about in this resource and all of the doctrines that sadly were uncovered in the research by Ligonier, those are, those are, they are not divisive. They, they can't be divisive because they're essential key they're clarifying. They're key to the faith that's been handed down for once and for all to the saints. That who Jesus is, what he's done for us, how he sends us out to impact other people. We, we must agree on these things. We must hold these up as sacred and beautiful truth that changes us and, and motivates us for holiness and, and godly living. We have to. Yeah, there are some things that we should and must have as continue shared doctrine. This is uh, the faith once delivered to the saints, and we're to contend earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints, Jude 3 and more. Um, I'd love to hear more about your—I mean, you're just a wonderful pastor. And you know, we when we worked together, we first started working together when you were a pastor in Miami— and I, you, you invited me in to be your teaching pastor. So we've had this long journey of working and serving together. And so then you served at Lifeway for a while. Now you're back in the local church because you just have this heart as a pastor. Where's where's the pastoral heart? Where are you as a pastor? Why do you want people to go deeper in theology? And how does this study relate? Mm-hmm. I want people to enjoy the fullness of God 
to know him more, to be equipped to think accurately about all the challenges that they face in life. I want people to appreciate the gospel more. And, and I know when that happens, they're filled with greater joy. So I, for so many reasons, I believe a deeper understanding of the things of God results in greater peace in your life, greater joy, knowing him more. It's so pastoral. Theology is not academic, it's pastoral. Yeah, it seems that um, one of the things that concerns me, I know concerns you, is people go throughout their whole lives and they accumulate more and more religious knowledge. Uh, they might know the Jebusites and the Malekalites and the Mosquito Bites and all the different, you know, obscure history of the Old Testament. But man, they're they're not filled with love and joy. So I, one of the concerns that I think people would have is, man, I, I want to be a love-filled, joy-shaped Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does studying theology create or not create that in my life? Right. Well, we do have to be careful. I mean, the Apostle Paul warns that knowledge puffs up, right? So you can't, you cannot go through a theology study with the end goal of I'm going to prove how smart of a of a Christian I am. If you don't walk away from studying theology with more humility and greater joy, you've done it wrong, because entering into His presence, going through His Word, should humble you with the greatness of who He is and that the salvation he's given you is from him, not from yourself. So if worship joy doesn't increase, you, you, you really have probably approached the theology study wrongly. And then we have to be cautious that we don't, we don't get prideful that we answer all the questions on a Ligonier question, questionnaire correctly, but in, instead grateful that this truth is changing us. Did the thousand people who walk through this in your church, which I think is fascinating, we we talked several times on the journey that you were on, that all these people were like, we you know we gotta we gotta dig deep, we gotta we gotta anchor down theologically. Uh, what what did it do for them? I mean, was there impact in their lives? There was, and, and really practical. I, I mean, I, I got emails from people who had a different perspective on sexuality or on their generosity. I mean, even things that I did not think were coming out of the study were coming out of the study. Mm-hmm. Just because when you throw yourself into his presence, you throw yourself into the scripture, the scripture is going to change you. The scripture is going to change you. Uh, having bigger thoughts about who God is, is going to impact how you live. So I, it's what, what really caused me to even see in a more tangible way, the practical benefits in my life and other lives of of studying theology. Now, this is really why we did the resource. I I heard, I love this. I had a hard time keeping up with the reading. I love this so much. Man, the book was too long. So mm-hmm. we felt we've got to help our people understand theology, but we have to put it in, in a more accessible, not a 1,500-page textbook format. Yeah, and it. <laughs> I mean, we both used the textbook and sem- I, don't, I don't know if you had it. It was assigned in me when I went to seminary. Um, uh, I think I think that's the case. Or did it come out later? Maybe I used. Erickson. I had Erickson. I did I had you have Erickson? Erickson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to remember because I read it. I remember we had a guy in our church who said, "I want to go deeper." And I said, "Well, let's do the whole thing." And we we went through 
the systematic theology together. Um, and so maybe it wasn't in seminary. But the point is, it is a tome. It is a beast. You could you could hold large doors open with right. that book. So so it becomes intimidating to people. Um, and and I think therein is the challenge. So with yeah. theology and the mission of God, you learn the basics of theology both with video, some people learn that way, um, and in small group, some people learn in those kinds of discussions, and in a book, and some people learn right. that way. Um, so the end result is you're, you're engaging it at, if you will, multiple fronts in your mind, and hopefully mm-hmm. it moves into your heart. Um, so what, what's your hope? I mean, what's your hope? Someone comes out of this, they know more, so what? What's your hope for them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I definitely hope that even even just having this conversation and people knowing that the resource is there, that they can have a sense that I can I can study these things. I can go deeper in my understanding of who God is. I, I do fear we've sent a counterproductive message when we've said, hey, theology is practical. I promise it's practical. Get this 1,800-page book. Right. Uh, it, it, it feels, on one hand, like we're saying, hey, come on, let's go on a journey. On the other hand, we're putting up a huge roadblock for people, Right. And I, and I learned that by trying to bring them through a really large book. Even though it had benefits, it, just, it was a stumbling block for some. So my hope is that they'll, they'll take a step into thinking about who God is on a level that is deeper than they have before, that this will increase their joy, their worship, and cause them to want to tell the world about who Jesus is and serve people in his name because they know he's the greatest one there is, that there's nothing better than him. You've been listening to Eric Geiger. You can learn more about him at ericgeiger.com. Thanks again for listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments, leave us a review that'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.